Welcome back to Cthulhu Light Show, your one-stop shop for nerd news you've already heard and opinions you don't need. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Avatar The Last Airbender Netflix adaptation reboot clusterfuck, and also the clusterfuck of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Strap in. I'm Dakota. It's going to be a rough one. I'm Brian. And... This is going to suck. Yeah. Just bear with us here. So, we're doing the, we're doing the last Airbender for some reason. Because I'm a sadist and a masochist. We watched it like two weeks ago. At this point, it's not good. Yeah, that's your preview for the episode. That's a review. It's not good. Yeah, it's not great. I would recommend watching something else. <sighs> Before we get into that, we planned on talking about some pretty old news at this point, which is the um, kind of collapse of the live-action Avatar adaptation for Netflix, which Dakota you know, alluded to a minute ago. We still don't know that much about the Netflix adaptation. It's been in development for a couple of years now, I'm pretty sure, and I think COVID slowed it down to a certain extent. But, you know, fans of Avatar are famously, like, leery of live-action adaptations because, as we'll get to, the M. Night Shyamalan movie is so fucking bad. But fans were kind of rejoicing because, well, the two original creators are, like, showrunners. Like, so the show will be really good. It'll be fine. Yeah. Nothing can go wrong now. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the showrunners actually had no say in whether or not it got adapted from the um, the brief research I did on the Shyamalan film. It sounds like with that, Nickelodeon just kind of did it and then informed them after the fact. And I have a feeling this was similar, where they're like, we're going to adapt this one way or the other, whether you like it or not, but we'd like you to be showrunners. And the you know the execs at Netflix said, you know, we're so delighted to have them on. They're they're going to shape the direction of the show. They are in charge. Um, and now, two years later, they both released statements saying that they were leaving the project, which didn't really surprise me. And I think I'm going to go out on, on a limb and say this pretty much means the Netflix show is DOA. I would assume with... Uh... Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Conan. Why did I go with full names? God damn it. With Michael and Brian off the project, I'm going to go ahead and assume, like Brian said, that this thing isn't going to last any longer. Uh, because if it does, it's going to suck complete shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Avatar fans are extremely loyal to the property, to the franchise, but the number one way to make them pissed off is do a live-action adaptation. I'm actually curious, Dakota, before any of this even happened, like all the Fallout and stuff, were you even interested in the Netflix adaptation to begin with? Not particularly. Yeah. Like, I, I, had, I had heard about it, of course, you know, back in 2018 or whatever, whenever they announced it. Yeah. And my immediate thought, of course, was, oh, God, here we go again. Right, I think that was everybody's thought. Even with the creators on board, I was never that excited. I just think, like, we already have Avatar The Last Airbender, and it's a great show. 
and I am among the people who loved Legend of Korra, so, like, I just want an, an animated continuation. It could be a sequel to Korra, it could be a prequel to both series, like, I, I just prefer it in its animated form, especially, like, such a big part of the appeal to Avatar is these, like, intricate, fluid fight sequences that you could never do as well in live action as you can do in animation. So I don't understand the obsession with converting it into live action. I don't know. It's just like a weird stigma in the West that like, well, cartoon stuff is for kids, so we have to make it sophisticated and mature by making a worse live action version of it. Yeah, because, you know, it's not like adult animation is anything that's super popular right now. Right, right. It's it's not like being animated was a huge part of what made both Avatar shows incredibly successful or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, I already wasn't super excited. I just wanted a new show. Um, but the creator's involvement made me like cautiously optimistic. Now I'm like, I'm not gonna fucking watch it. I'm for the sake of the podcast, we'll probably at least watch a couple episodes when it comes out and do an episode on it. I, I'm willing to bet. We're gonna but, have to. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's inevitable. But I don't want to watch it for fun, you know. Um, yeah. Since... My only hope. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say since we're eventually we're actually watching Legend of Korra right now, and it, it's it's we it's are. kind of incredible. Go from the beautiful animated fight scenes in Legend of Korra to whatever the fuck we got ten years ago. The steaming hot garbage that was The Last Airbender by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, which I kind of wish we'd done this episode earlier because the film came out ten years and three months ago today. Nice. But anyway, um, all I was going to say real quick was my only real hope for the Netflix series was that um, if they had a really good working relationship with Netflix and both Avatar and Korra have been immensely successful for Netflix, my hope was that maybe Netflix and Nickelodeon would like co-produce a Netflix original animated series that would be a sequel or a prequel that like because um we haven't gotten to this part in the show yet Dakota but in the later seasons of Korra were intermittently taken off the air and aired on the website because like they get pretty violent towards the end there are multiple on-screen deaths some of which are kind of gruesome season four when it gets pulled off onto nick.com right um, yeah, although in season three, they did it in bits and pieces. Like, season three started out on the air, but then there's, like, an episode where a character gets straight up slowly murdered on screen, with, like, a close-up on their face and everything. Um, and I think that they got cold feet at the last minute, and they said, don't air that episode, put it online. And so, like, three or four episodes of season three, I believe, went online. So what I was hoping was like, well, maybe with Netflix, they could have a higher budget and more creative control, and maybe it could be more mature, you know? But, and I'm, I still think that's entirely possible, but I will say like Brian Konietzko in his statement straight up called Netflix like a negative and unsupportive environment. Like he fucking went in on them, whereas DiMartino was a little more like diplomatic about it. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. 
More more creators need to come out uh, against like remakes and shit. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel that way like, too. I'm Hollywood, Hollywood I'm, would be a little probably not very much, uh, maybe a little slightly less you know gung ho about these remakes if mm-hmm. creators actually said something. Well, and I wish there wasn't like again it's the, it's that animation versus live action thing. I wish we wouldn't insist on remakes that we know are going to make a worse movie than the original. Like I'm still fucking mad about the Lion King quote unquote live action movie. We're like that movie is absolutely an animated film, but it's just way less stylistic and expressive. Yeah. You know, like the original Lion King is already great. Leave it alone. Yeah, and speaking of leaving things alone, I'm I almost kind of hope they leave the Netflix this Netflix remake alone, let it fade off into existence. Yeah, it's, it's been in development for two years now, and we have no cast. Uh, we don't know who's working on it. Yeah, we don't even we don't even have like a tentative release. Well, and there were a couple of rumors going around about why they left the show. I think a big part of it was just, like, they were told they were the showrunners, but none of their wishes were being heard. So, like, clearly you're not actually the showrunner. You're, like, a publicity piece to, like, make, like, get, you know, in the good graces of the fans. But the two main rumors were that they wanted a white lead actor, which the creators have made it very clear in the past that they're extremely opposed to whitewashing the characters. There was a big issue they had with the M. Night Shyamalan film. They... We'll talk about this, but they tried getting Jesse McCartney to play fucking Zuko, um, <laughs> which is just like fucking insane to me. Um, Why? But I don't know, man. Fucking Hollywood. Even in but, 2010, um, is Jesse McCartney a draw at all? I don't even know. I can't remember the, that. That was seeing his name in the research I did was like. I, that was the most I've thought about him in, like, the past 10, 10, 15 years. I don't even know what he does anymore. But anyway, the other rumor was that Netflix wanted to age the characters up so that they could have sexual content in the show. Which I have zero problem believing. I don't really want that, frankly. I think it would be a little more appropriate with, like, The Legend of Korra, where they already are teenagers, and, like, romantic drama is a really big part of The Legend of Korra, but the original Avatar series isn't even, like, that romance-heavy. Like, it's interspersed, you get bits and pieces of it here and there, but, like, you know, they mostly just kind of build to the end pairings and then leave you with that when the show ends you know plus it's just weird to take a 12 year old little pacifist monk character and make him like 18 and have him like fucking katara like that's just weird yeah i i mean i'm i i would assume that the the air nomads are are a celibate bunch for the most part yeah I, I don't know where to go with this. This is obviously a mistake, but yeah. Netflix sees dollar signs because both Korra and the original animated show are, you know, still trending on Netflix months later. Yeah. Um. 
the one positive I think that could come from this is that um, both of them in their statements said that they have more work to do in the Avatar universe. Like they said, they still have stories they want to tell. So I would love to find out that a third series is going to happen because for a long time I thought Korra was going to be the end. But I feel like they just can't ignore the series' popularity anymore. They did a damn good job of trying for a while for some reason, but like I feel like this this all of this stuff with the trending on Netflix is just proof that like people fucking love the franchise. Um and the creators do have something special even if they're not, you know, always perfect as storytellers. Anyway, how about we move on to the meat of the topic, which is the god-awful M. Night Shyamalan, The Last Airbender movie. Um, do you want to give me your thoughts, Dakota, your initial uh, impressions? Oh, of course. Hell yeah, bro. So, uh, some people look at The Last Airbender and, and see one of those... One of those so-bad-it's-good kind of movies... I don't. Oh, this yeah. is this is barely enjoyable to watch as a joke. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I tried my damnedest. I was because I I watched it with Brian and and Justin from the other Avatar episode, and we got they got the whole got the whole we got the whole squad together. We got team team watch Avatar to get together. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this movie fucking sucks, dude. It's, it's this so is bad. obvious. This is, this is nothing you don't already know. This is a ten-year-old film. Everyone's torn the ass out of this. Uh, we, yeah. We've had this whole thing taken care of already, but it, 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 it it's nice to look back and kind of see where things are leading and what things are coming to. I guess. Yeah, I did kind of pitch it to you as a it's so bad it's good movie, and that's kind of how I remembered it. But I will say, like, there are moments that are fucking hysterical. They're so oh, bad. Yeah. And yeah. And there are moments there, but then there are also long stretches where it's just a boring, terribly made movie. I'm trying to think, like, what the biggest things are. There's the earthbending scene, which we will talk about. Um, At length. Yes. Um, that that almost killed me. I've seen this movie twice now, and uh, which I never even wanted to see it once. But hey, man, we times, all make mistakes. <laughs> both times, that scene has fucking killed me. Um, I saw Suicide Squad twice, dude. It, it's fine. Suicide Squad is a better movie than this. Oh, easily, easily. Like, objectively better. Yeah. Birds of Prey is like, a better movie than this. Oh, I, dude, Birds of Prey is a, is, is a good movie. We don't need to have this debate. We already did our episode. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. Anyway, this movie is just like a perfect storm of everything that could possibly go wrong with a movie going wrong. I mean, you took this, like, beloved, esteemed source material, and you made... So many ridiculous, arbitrary changes to it. Like the pronunciations of names. Aang is Ong. Sokka is Soka. Iroh is Iro. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't call Katara Katara. Or Katara yeah, or something. 
Fucking cataracts, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh... They also, like, change... Like, instead of, like, the Fire Nation just being, like, imperialists, they're, like... They don't want to live in peace with the spirits anymore, so they're, like, killing the spirits. And they killed the Air Nomads, not because they wanted to end the Avatar cycle, but because, like... I think the Air Nomads, like, liked the spirits a lot or something. They were closer to the gods or some shit. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. The, the the Fire Nation goes from an imperialist Japan XP to, like, a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of pyrokinetic atheists. Yeah. And another really bizarre change um, was that they switched... The Fire Nation for being Japan-inspired to being India-inspired. Which is... It's not as offensive as if they had, like, changed it to being, like, America-inspired or, like, England-inspired or something. Like, they didn't cast a bunch of white people and then base it off of Western culture. But it's just a weird change. And it is interesting to think that they originally wanted Jesse McCartney. Because then I'm like, God, what culture were you going to base the Fire Nation off of? But yeah, that was another strange change they made. Oh, the firebending, dude. Fuck the firebending. Fuck the bending in general. Yeah, with firebending, M. Night Shyamalan said in an interview that he thought it was unfair that firebenders could just create their element out of thin air, which is like, not only is that really what happens, but firebending is explained pretty in-depth in the show and in, like, extended material so like like the idea with firebending in the show is that you're because fire is like pure energy you can use your chi which is also pure energy to intensify the heat in the air and then combust the air you know like the reason why the other elements can't be created from pure chi is because they have mass they're, they're not energy you know but uh, in the movie, firebenders always have to have a fire source nearby. So, like, they carry candles, torches, stuff like that. It's Ugh. unbelievably lame. Um, Iro really... is the only... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, oh, just going to say, it really gimps the uh, the Fire Nation. It yeah. barely makes them a threat. <laughs> the, only, the only way there's a, they're a threat in this movie is, is just because of so many of them. Which I swear yeah. isn't a joke about the Indians, I promise. <laughs> fuck if you hadn't said anything nobody would have thought anything of it man um yeah i mean fire this is a slightly spicy take um like the <laughs> elements in av the ah, the elements in avatar are supposed to be perfectly balanced but i've always felt like fire is kind of the least versatile and useful element and anyway so to take away their one major advantage which is like a complete lack of scarcity and make it so that they can they need candles but they can only fucking use them once is like fuck you because there's multiple times where they'll use their fire source and the fire source will extinguish immediately it, yeah it, it like i said it, it it just gimps them immediately yeah it yeah it makes no sense how they could ever be an imperial power Iro or Iro is the only firebender who's a master who can create it out of his own chi, apparently. Yeah, instead um, of doing the lightning bending thing. 
Yeah, they didn't even go there. Also, for some reason, although I believe the past lives thing is somewhat touched on, they um, <clears throat> replace Roku with Roku's dragon, except instead of being just a dragon that died, the dragon is like a spirit. And the spirit is guiding Ong on his journey. Yeah, it's in the they same. Turned, they they turned Roku's dragon into Dragon Roku, I guess. Yeah, they totally did. Um, they also constantly reused the same forest for like every setting they could manage. They sure did. <laughs> like the there would be a scene. Sorry, we we go into the, no. I'm no, I'm sorry, man. I I just I just keep I, I keep trying to throw jokes in here because this movie really kind of gets me mad. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, the the same forest is used for multiple scenes, and then when um, whenever Aang's in the spirit world, they just like change the color palette and string some like crappy dollar store paper lanterns through the trees. <laughs> that's the spirit world like there's no cg involved whatsoever they throw Um, like a fucking they throw off not even fog like a fog filter over the footage yeah god bother with some dry ice and a fog machine this is a hundred million dollars guys wasn't it 150 yeah oh my god it is (laughs) Yes, they could. Holy they could, shit, that's worse. They couldn't afford a basic technique that like community theater productions do. Whatever. Um, oh. Yeah, just like on every level, the production is terrible. The other thing that makes the movie like borderline unwatchable is the acting. Yeah, and that's what I I wanted to get into a little bit, cause go for it. The acting goes from, like, passable TV movie to, like, fan project, if that makes sense. Like, I'm sure Jackson Rathbone is a fine actor, but he was fucking bad. (laughs) Yep, terrible. He was probably the worst of Team Avatar. The kid who plays Ong is pretty terrible, too. Yeah, which... I guess dedication to the character because he fucking disappeared after this movie. <laughs> he did, he, he no, did dude, the last Airbender. <laughs> the reviews fucking killed him, and now he's gonna come back in a few years. <laughs> when they do, when they do the live action Korra remake. <laughs> oh yeah, he'll play Tenzin. <laughs> I would hate. Don't that give him so the idea. Much. Don't 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 give him the idea. Yeah, the acting's truly terrible. Um, the only actor who, in my opinion, made it out of this alive is poor Seychelle Gabriel, who plays Yue in the movie, and she went on to be Asami in The Legend of Korra. And she's a pretty good voice actress. Yeah, she um, lucked out really well. I, I, I've enjoyed her so far as Asami. I bet they had a lot of fucking laughs behind the scenes when she got that fucking part. Like, I am sure her and the creators have talked some major shit on this movie. They have to. The other thing that I think is hilarious about this movie is this was... This was when M. Night Shyamalan's career was, like, bottoming out. 
and I think he's still somewhat trying to recover, although he's getting there, you know? But all I can think is this was a move of, like, pure desperation. Where he was like, this epic fantasy series is going to be my Lord of the Rings, and I'll get my name back on the map, and everything will be like it was again. Even though he clearly didn't care about or understand the property at all. At all. I've read some really angering interviews where, like, he'll talk about, like, cutting out the kid shit and making it more grounded and serious. And I'm like, part of what people like about these shows is that they are humorous and they are kind of kid-like. Like, they, they're not afraid to have fun even with serious subject matters. Or, like, like one thing they talk about was making Soka's character much more grounded and serious. I'm like, the only thing people like about Sokka, well, this isn't true, but the main thing people like about Sokka is that he's funny. That's his, that's, he's the comedic relief character. But for me, the funniest thing is that, like, you have to blame M. Night Shyamalan for this movie. You know, like... There's nowhere else you can go with it. Right. Under other circumstances, you might want to say, oh, it was the executives. You know, Nickelodeon was stingy. They're always getting their fingers into everything, etc., etc. But M. Night Shyamalan is credited as the writer, director, and producer. This is his movie. Yeah, he, he put his name all over this, this fucking pile. And it fucking exploded in his face. Terrible. Just took his eyebrows off. Yep. Zuko's character is way worse. Um, one thing I noticed is they specifically went out of their way to remove all characterization from Katara, basically. There's a, a scene that in the movie where we were all sitting on the couch trying to guess what episode it was supposed to be that we were seeing adapted. Because we were like, is this the Avatar Kyoshi episode? Is this the Haru and the Earthbenders episode? but anyway yeah there's there's that episode where it's like it's like three or four episodes mashed together um and katara's big inspirational speech that she has where she's like encouraging earthbenders to like rise out of oppression and like fight for what's worth fighting for they take that away from her and give it to ang she doesn't have her little like like arc of like bringing feminism to the North Pole, which is one of her cooler moments in uh, the, in the animated series. Yeah, Katara as a character is fucking useless um, in, the, in the movie. In the show, she's great. They remove the entire cool scene at the end of season one where he merges with the ocean spirit. Instead, he just raises a really big tidal wave and then lowers it again. And that scares everybody stupid. off. That they, 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 yeah. they, just, they just bail out after that. Probably my favorite at like adaptive choice they'd made was instead of having Zhao burn the moon spirit, he fucking takes a knife and shanks it while it's in the bag. <laughs> As is a stab of fish. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the so bad it's good moments. He just goes, just fucking stabs the shit out of it. <laughs> they that's don't cut thing. away either. They straight up they straight up kill that fish. Oh yeah, no. That's that's one of the things that I find kind of jarring about this movie is that, in some ways, they're clearly trying to make it edgy and adult, 
But in other ways, it's like they're making it for kids. Like, the amount of fucking exposition in this movie where backstory is being delivered in the most simplistic, lame way possible with like voiceovers and also characters explaining their backstories to characters who should already know like there's this really contrived scene where Zuko makes a little boy come over to him and Iroh and explain the story of how Prince Zuko got banished and it's like Iroh already knows this because he was there you're clearly just trying to fill in the audience and cram as much information down their throats as possible but then On the other hand, every once in a while, there's these flashes of, like, grimdark edginess. Like, there's a scene towards the beginning where Katara says to Sokka, like, what would you do if the Fire Nation took me away? And he says, I'd kill every last one of them. I'm like, fucking what? And then there's the fish stabbing. Yeah, um... Zhao got drowned by waterbenders on screen. Yeah, like we sat there and watched him fucking drown. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm sitting there on the couch. I'm watching. I'm thinking like, all right, he's gonna firebend his way out at some point, and like they'll run off or something. No, he fucking drowns. You see his lifeless body hit the floor. Yeah, in some ways, it's really gruesome, um, or like just like I said, kind of grim, dark, and edgy, but. In other ways, it feels like such a simplistic baby movie. In the past, when I tried to watch this movie, I never got further than 15 minutes. And the first 15 minutes are crammed with so much exposition and bullshit that I I realize why I, um... Yeah, I realize now why I never got further than that. Because it's terrible. Even from the beginning. And it's not even funny terrible. Yeah, it would it would have been cheaper and easier if they had just stuck with... Like, they have the opening... Of course, the opening text crawl. Where mm-hmm. they fuck up the intro. Yes, they do, yeah. But they could have just stuck on that for a little bit longer and crammed as much in there as they could have. And it would have saved us time and money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, gotta make sure you see all this sick-ass bending. Well, one of the things that kills me is they could have just done, like, an adaptation of the animated show's intro. Because that's a really good introduction to the world and the conflict. You know, water, earth, fire, air. The four elements lived in harmony. Everything changed with the Fire Nation. Attacked all that good shit. Only an avatar can bend all four elements when the world needed him most. He vanished. Like, that's the story. But instead they gave us this horrible Star Wars text crawl that's, like, really meandering and weird and is not nearly as, like, fun or flashy or stylistic as the actual opening was. Every opportunity they do something wrong. Um, None of the jokes are funny, partly because all the actors are so terrible. Um, Everything that was amazing in animation where budget didn't, like, affect, like, beat-for-beat details of the, of the, the world... Um, is infinitely worse in the sh- in the in live action. Um, why don't you talk about the bending, Dakota? I bet I bet you can t- you can bitch about the bending for a little bit. Oh, gladly. So you know how in the Last Airbender animated series, I can't believe I have to make this fucking distinction, or it's like sad. it really is, or the Legend of Korra, where the in addition to looking you know 
league's better. Uh, it's faster. It's more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they bend in the Last Airbender Shyamalan film is it, it's an intricate, short interpretive dance, followed <laughs> by like an air punch, and and then like some wind gusts up or. A bunch or a, a, a rock floats towards some bad guys or something. It's, you are so right. It is yeah. some bullshit. Um, the way I described it before was that like, because like in in Avatar, the thing that's kind of appealing about bending is it's like the element is an extension of yourself, so like it moves with your body. So like. Bending is just martial arts where you're using the elements as a weapon. Um, but in the movie, they treat it more like spell casting, where it's like if you do all the crazy, ridiculous hand motions that have nothing to do with the direction in which the element's going to move, and then when you're done with all the crazy motions, then the element moves. And it's like, it's so, that change alone makes it goofy and boring. Like, it's not nearly as fast-paced or dynamic as um, as the actual animated fights are. Um, and I'm sure when Shyamalan was writing, directing, producing, catering, probably doing the movies himself or some shit, like I'm, I'm sure he saw it as like some some grandiose art kind of statement, some kind of like you know we're really paying homage to the fighting styles that were inspired, you know, inspired uh, the these bending techniques. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it just comes off as like an interpretive dance with shitty CG. Yeah, well, and it's funny because like the kid who plays. Ong, I can't remember his name right now. Noah Ringer. They, that's it. They cast him because he was a martial artist. Yeah, like that's his and whole thing. Because like, what, what I was laughing at before, Noah Ringer did the Last Airbender, and he ended up in fucking Cowboys and Aliens, and he yeah. just disappeared. I I did some research. I looked at IMDb, his Wikipedia. I googled him. You know, it's, it's extensive research. I can't find yeah. shit on No Ring after 2012, dude. Unfortunately, the same thing kind of happened to the voice actor for Animated Aang. He kind of dropped off the face of the earth. But uh, maybe that's the Aang curse. I guess. What I'm saying, he he didn't play Aang, he played Ong. What am I talking about? Yeah, you... you... <laughs> oh, God. It, it, it's it's got to be it's got to be different. It, it's it's easier if we consider these these wholly separate characters. I'm such a gatekeeping purist. The M Night Shyamalan movie's good. Shut up. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's terrible. You you. Man, Def um, Patel, coming off of Slumdog Millionaire. Because yep. he, he was the main character of Slumdog Millionaire. That movie won a shit ton of awards. Yep. How do you how, how you go from from Slumdog Millionaire to fucking, to fucking The Last Airbender? I'm and surprised. He's not good. I'm surprised. Yeah, he's he's acceptable. I mean, he's 
He's one of the better young actors, but, like, he's still not very good. Yeah, and I haven't seen Slumdog Millionaire because I'm a loser. I don't watch critically acclaimed films. Mood. But I'm sure he did fine in that. And obviously, he's a good actor because he's been in a b- bunch of movies after that. You know, he didn't disappear somehow. Mm-hmm. He was in Chappie. Clearly, they thought they were still going to make Zuko, like, an amazing, like, redemption story in the movies. And, like, no, you fucking weren't. Like, no fucking way. Um, I think, also, the movie kind of fundamentally misses one of the things that makes Avatar Last Airbender work. Which is just that it was a television series that took its time. You know, it was 61 episodes of content, as opposed to three hour and a half movies um which yes they did plan on doing a full trilogy um which yeah uh, apparently as, as late as like 2015 or 2016 Shyamalan was still talking about doing the second one yeah because like before reviews came in for the first one Shyamalan was like drafting the sequel which would have brought in yes. uh whoever the fuck played Azula as Azula yeah she appears very briefly at the end of the first movie. Yeah, I don't know or care enough to figure out who she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that could be a future Dakota issue, but um, hey, Shyamalan really thought this is going to be it, man. This is going to be the thing that was going to bring him back. He bragged about it. Yeah, and part part of part of why I'm like really salty with him as like an individual is so many of the interviews he did around this time, like before people realized how terrible it was going to be, a lot of those interviews were, like, basically him bragging about how he fixed Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm like, fuck you! Um, you, you did the opposite of that. Um, getting back to the, uh, the bending, something I wanted to point out was I noticed that did you notice that as the movie went on, slow-mo became more and more prevalent? Yeah. For better or worse. It was the, I, I, I honestly don't know if it helped or not. Like, slowing it down, it, it, it did... it Like, uh, the scene where the blue demon... What the fuck his name is? Blue Spirit. God, you're such a fake fan. Yeah, I don't watch this shit. I just talk about it, alright? Damn. <laughs> just fucking admitted to that on your fucking researched podcast. Yeah, I haven't watched the... I, 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 one of these days I'm going to go back and rewatch fully the, la, uh, the, uh, the original Avatar series. You should. It's really good. Anyway. Uh, oh, I forgot what I was saying already. Something about slow mo. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, fairness, I'm, 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 I'm just gonna shut up. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, in fairness, I might Shaman totally could have named the blue spirit the blue demon. That would have been a very him thing to do. Yeah, that yeah, there it is. I'm not dumb. I'm I'm, I'm playing into what what could have been. <laughs> there we go. You're Thanks, th- Brian. You're thinking like Shyamalan. Nice yeah. So something um, about twists. But a twist. Um, Thank you, Seth Green. Anyway, yeah. 
Um, I think the slow-mo did marginally help, and I think that they realize that because it becomes more and more prevalent the longer the movie goes on. Like, there's very little of it in the first, like, 20, 30 minutes, and then it's suddenly, it's like every fight scene has a ton of slow-mo. And I do think the bending looks better that way, um, and I think it forces them to simplify the motions of the fight scenes a little more. Um, something that I forgot about that we realized when we were kind of trolling on Wikipedia for our epic research was that, um, the movie was 3D and that was like a big draw for the movie. Um, I don't think it could have possibly enhanced the movie at all. No. And it's funny because the reason they did the 3D was because Avatar did it and it was super popular and (laughs) it's funny because James Cameron commented on the 3D conversion, it's like... He basically said, like, no, don't do it. It's gonna look like shit. <laughs> but they did it anyway. Nice. Well, you always gotta have your Avatar franchises compete. But yeah, the fight scenes are terrible. The best part of the movie is maybe 15-20 minutes in. It's when the Earthbenders are fighting against fighting back against fire nation oppression it's always the same six actors playing the fire nation people in the same shitty costumes with the rubber spears that they're holding and there's like a group of like 12 earthbenders who do this like like dakota said like this long drawn out interpretive dance together um and when it's finally done and they all throw their arms towards the bad guys you see one fucking rock like the size of a soccer ball just like slowly float across the screen and hit one guy and it's like explodes off of him it's awesome you yeah i'm sure you've seen it this is a 10 year old movie but you gotta the, the rock fucking and the way it's shot it looks like it, it it's it's creeping it's creeping and then it just knocks the dude out it's, it explodes yeah i'm pretty sure someone um, else pushes it but like oh my god it's yeah it's something to behold it's, it's so hard to describe in words how fucking funny that scene is um there's just something about seeing like 12 burly earthbenders spending like 20 30 seconds dancing and then conjuring one rock the size of my head to hit one guy (laughs) and move it at like two miles per hour it's incredible just in general all of the the effects work and everything which should have been good because as i figured out in in research fucking industrial light and magic worked on this film like the star wars effects people worked on this shit it is so upsetting i don't understand how that's possible i don't get it pablo hellman who worked on attack of the clones which was cg fucking inundated it was also you know made in 2002 so this movie eight years later looks like fucking garbage from these guys who have the market cornered, at least they did for a while, had the market cornered on on computer graphic effects. Yeah. Weirdly enough, it's like the creators almost anticipated this, because do you remember in... It's the second to last episode of 
the animated show. It's called the Ember Island Players, and it's like a generic anime recap episode, except it's like a parody of those episodes where they're just going to see a play that's about their adventures, and it's like laughably terribly bad. Yes. Okay. At the end, like, in in retrospect, it's hard not to think of that as like a direct dig at this movie, even though the movie came out two years later. Um, but at the end of that episode, Sokka says, well, the effects were good. And uh, <laughs> I remember... I remember at the time when this movie came out and everybody hated it, and some fans were desperately trying to find a silver silver lining to cling to. People were saying, well, the effects were pretty good. But like, no, they're fucking not. I mean, the, the water looks like water, and the fire... Uh, yeah. The fire looks every like fire. Every once in a while, I mean. yeah, every once in a while, it's pretty decent. But I think a lot of it's just the way it's choreographed and, and the way it was directed. Like, clearly M. Night Shyamalan had no idea how to direct action sequences like these. Oh, God. I'm, I'm also reading, because now I'm stretching for content here. I'm, re- I'm just reading the visual effects, like, section on Wikipedia. And they had hmm. to, like build the fucking software to get like the proper shit to to render all of the uh the bending effects and shit like they wow. they pretty much built the bending from the ground up hmm. i'm surprised <laughs> they put that much effort in yeah that was something that really shocked me when we were doing our quote-unquote epic research um on wikipedia best source the Wikipedia article for this movie is fucking dense. Like, people have studied this film. Yeah, it's, And it's, compiled it, its dark secrets. It's incredible. One thing, like... So the Avatar fandom overall is a very positive fandom, I think. Is it? They, they can sometimes be a little petty about stuff like The Legend of Korra. Which got a lot of like grossly undeserved hate for a really long time. It's starting to get reevaluated now, which is nice to see. Yeah, I'm reevaluating but, it. Uh, good. Yeah, I think you've like, been enjoying it so far. Um, I have been. I'm excited to talk about it on here whenever we finish it. But um, the fan base unanimously rejects this movie. I've never seen like a contrarian YouTube essay. Um. The Last Airbender was good, actually. Like, I've never seen that. Nobody um, says that. I've I've seen the contrarian video essays that are like, book one of Avatar The Last Airbender is actually the best book. Which is like, fuck you. Nobody says that either. Yeah, well, that guy does. Um, First of all, anyway. that's so tough. That, that'd be a whole other episode. Whatever, fuck that guy. Yeah, I mean, we never talked about book one, barely, in our original episode, so we might have to do that at some point, but... Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Like, even though the fan base is sometimes a little divided over, like, is Avatar Avatar... Like, is all Avatar Avatar, or is only Avatar Last Airbender Avatar? We, like, the, the fan base refers to this movie as the movie that doesn't exist. Like, there is this mutual agreement that we don't talk about it, and if we do talk about it, it's only to say it's unbelievably shitty. Yeah, just like the Matrix wow. sequels. I wouldn't know. I've never seen the Matrix. It's okay. Okay. I thought you were going to go, oh, That's the next episode, bro! 
No, it's everyone's. The Matrix is okay. Everyone's talked about it. I I, I don't want to get into blue pills and red pills right now. Oh fuck off! Yeah, I don't really have much more to say. I'd just say that like the movie's genuinely terrible. I think if you are a diehard fan of the show, it is good for one cringe watch. I think um, there are stretches where it's just like unbearably bad, but the little bits of cringe that are peppered in are so funny specifically that earthbending scene so oh man yeah it's it's if you've ever wanted to see like a murder and mutilation of something that you love that's near and dear to your heart and childhood nostalgia watch this movie like i've i've never seen something i love so completely destroyed before my eyes well, I mean, for Star Wars fans. Well, that is true, yeah. I think about the pacing okay. of this episode. We even talked about the pacing of the fucking film. This, this is it's a it's a slapdash attempt. If I if I can if I can go really if I can go really like reviewer like big words YouTube avatar because I'm too afraid to show my face online. Your rant, Sona. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. <laughs> Be my arms crossed. Get my feet. <laughs> oh, God damn it. You got your cat ear headphones on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, the, the pacing of this movie is fucking atrocious. The first 30 minutes are... The first hour is too slow and too fast at the same time. Because we have all yeah. this exposition. And then, like... Scenes from different episodes that got just thrown together to get us into like this this you know season finale and shit well a lot of times it's really funny because like that that one scene with all the earthbenders that i was talking about were like it's like three or four episodes mashed together but like the only way in which it's the kiyoshi warriors episode is at the end after everybody has been saved one of the earthbenders goes to ong and he's like oh hey look it's avatar kiyoshi and they turn around, and there's a statue of Avatar Kyoshi, and everybody goes, huh. And they just fucking move on! <laughs> I'm like, you didn't have to include that at all! Well, Brian, Brian, to be fair, it, it, it's, it's a pretty cool-looking statue. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It looks, it looks like Kyoshi. That's the, the, the best praise I can give it. <laughs> they yeah, didn't but, fuck but don't up. Worry, the Kyoshi warriors aren't in the movie at all. They didn't fuck up Kyoshi's design like they fucked up literally every other character in this movie. It is they so have, yeah. fucking bad. They also went out of their way to make Ong's tattoos really overcomplicated and lame. Yeah, it's 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 not just you know the 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 blue arrows. It's like this intricate yeah. little designs thrown in there which it's just only vaguely arrow shaped yeah yeah makes it look like more of a bitch to animate than just the regular fucking arrow yeah <laughs> admittedly the the standard arrow probably would have looked kind of goofy in live action but like i still feel like you could have done something more simplistic and it it was it, it would have worked better um i think it's also reflective of like in line with Shyamalan's desire to like adult up the series he went out of his way to sap all the color out of that world 
like if people wear the uh, the colors of their nations at all it's an incredibly drab dirty version of it like ong mostly wears brown robes and there's like some faded color mixed in you know yeah there's a Stuff little like bit that. of like air nomad shit but he's just wearing a fucking yeah i don't know burlap sack or some shit yeah, Soka and Cataract wear a lot of, like, w- like winter coats that are just, like, brown fur for a significant chunk of the movie. But yeah, they start, they spend, like, the first uh, 40 minutes to an hour cramming in as many different episodes in as they can. You know, like, they do, well, I'm not going to bother listing them off because you're barely going to know any of the episodes I'm talking about, but... And then they get to the North Pole and they dwell on that for the rest of the movie. And that's kind of weird, too. Because, like, all of a sudden the pacing screeches to a halt. And just when you forget about the voiceover stuff, it'll come back. There's a part where Katara's, like... She basically just, like, look, like she does, like, the office look in the camera and is basically like, Soka and Yue are in love. And then when Yue dies, you have to feel really sad, even though... Like, she was barely on screen. Yeah, there's like three all. scenes with UA. Yeah. Like her and UA and Soka like share uh they they like they share like one good scene together. Mm-hmm. And like at the yeah. end, they give to that they turn around and Soka's like ah like he's you know he's obviously like in love or whatever. It's super cheesy, mm-hmm. and then she dies. In the animated show, I think Yue and Sokka is probably one of the weaker romantic relationships already, because it's already kind of underdeveloped, but this movie only makes that a thousand times worse. I think probably the note we need to go out on is the whitewashing. The two most obvious instances of whitewashing are Nicola Peltz, who's Katara, and Jackson Rathbone, who's Sokka, um, are both white. They're meant to be playing indigenous characters, essentially. God, you know, I know something fucked up. Fucking Nicola Peltz is like outrage. Oh, dude, she is. Isn't that well, weird? Noah Ringer's like a year younger than us. That's also extremely weird. Yeah, but also like um, Dev Patel's like thirty now. Yeah, and so is uh, Jackson Rathbone. Basically, a bunch of white people are cast for roles that were intended to be people of color. I think I think it's most obvious at the very beginning of the movie where you have Katara and Soka being very white, but the extras around them, not all of them, but a lot of them are people of color. And like that's just very random where it's like clearly what's going on is that like there was an attempt to pay lip service to the source material and give some, you know, diverse representation, but the studio was also not willing to have leads of color for their movie. I mean, they, they weren't even, they clearly weren't even willing to give too much space to Katara, because, like, she doesn't do anything in the entire movie, even though yeah. she's a much more important and active member of the story than Sokka is in the animated show. And e- even with the actors of color, I guess, that the film does use, there's no time spent on them. Yeah. The one they do focus on, like, Katara's grandma is white, I think. Yes. It, it It's such a weird... It's also weird to see that, like, see Katara's grandma, you see Soka and Katara, and, like, they're obviously super white. But then, like, yeah. when the Fire Nation rolls up and starts rounding up the Water Tribe people, they're, like, Southeast Asian. Uh, 
ethnicities there. It, it's it, it's weird seeing like these obviously white lead actors and then like just a bunch of random background people that are of Asian descent. It, it's well, it, it's a fucking. It makes them stick out even more. Well, I think it's very telling that like. Again, for whatever reason, they changed the Japan inspiration for the Fire Nation to be an Indian inspiration. And I think it's telling that the Fire Nation people are the only people who are pretty consistently actual Indian actors. I think there might have been a couple exceptions, but most of them were, you know, of Indian descent. And I think it's telling that the it's okay, like the studio had no problem with the bad guys being people of color but the lead heroes needed to be as white as possible. Like, obviously, Zuko would have become a good guy eventually, but who knows if the studio even fucking knew that. So, yeah, again, I, I, I think that the, that says a lot right then and there. Now, originally, Jesse McCartney was going to play Zuko, and he was released from his contract and replaced with Dev Patel, and... Jesse McCartney bitched about it at the time and said that he was fired for political reasons, which I think was just fan backlash. So I think there was like a conscious decision to say, okay, Zuko will be the token person of color. Like nobody else but Zuko will shut the fans up, which like it didn't because that's very transparent yeah, and shitty. Everybody know? else is still white as shit. Yeah, like, it's still whitewashed. Um, the creators were very vocal about not being happy about this. Um, fans hated it. Allegedly, that's why they left the Netflix thing, like we said. Yeah. Because Netflix I'd be wants white main, main characters. I'd be surprised if Netflix made the same mistake, frankly, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, Brian, do you have anything else you want to discuss? Because I want to close out on some Rotten Tomatoes reviews that I've pulled up here. Sure, man. Just the movie sucks. It's shitty. Yeah, it's Don't garbage. It. It's garbage. And there's there's a there's a, almost two hundred rotten reviews you can read, but I wanted to focus on the fresh reviews. There are a oh, hundred and eighty rotten reviews out of this is out of like critics, you know, not out uh, assholes like you and me who would sign up and and you know, this movie sucks. Yeah. Like there's actual. So there's ten fresh reviews and I wanted to just just read some snippets from some of them uh from <laughs> Felix Vasquez Jr. of Cinema Crazed is it a masterpiece oh god no but <laughs> <laughs> what a way to preface your fresh review <laughs> right but say the whole the whole quote that i have here is is it a masterpiece oh god no but ellipses i'm intrigued to see where the next film goes ellipses wow uh fred topple of can magazine it captivated my imagination oh i'm so that, sorry did it ever it? give it back i guess not <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> this is this might be this this is, this one's my favorite. Uh, Kevin LaForest of Montreal Film Journal said that Shyamalan has taken what could have been a big, flashy, generic Hollywood production and made it wholly his own. He sure fucking did. <laughs> he sure the fuck did make it his own, my guys. I uh, wish he fucking hadn't. Woof. 
Is it a masterpiece? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, God. That's the most critical he could be with Nickelodeon's gun to his head. All right. I, have we bitched enough? Is it time? I think so. Everyone, thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of Cthulhu Light Show. Really, and I'm being serious for once, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that generic end-of-video shit, even though this is an audio podcast. It, we're up on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on the new Google Podcasts, because Google Play Podcasts is dead. The, the reviews do help. And, like, obviously, you know, tell your, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell fucking, I don't know, just random people, I guess, like... Shout it through the streets. Yeah, just start yelling about this Cthulhu light show you keep hearing about. And on that note, um, you know, my name is Dakota. My name is Brian. Wait, we have to come up with the last airbender pronunciations for our names. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah, hold on. My name is Dakade. Mine's Brian. And this is... M. Night Shyamalan's Cthulhu Light Show. <laughs> Have a nice night. Fuck you, Shyamalan. You don't own this. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs>